Welcome to Bible Center Church, and thank you so much for joining us on BC Podcast. Here's a message to encourage your heart this week. Good morning, Time Change Sunday, right? It's amazing. Uh, I think that's why they asked me to speak. They're like, this dude will keep everybody awake. (laughs) I don't know. Uh, But hey, I am glad to be here with you. My name's Steve. I'm the children's pastor. And we are going to talk about practicing the way of Jesus. Um, For some of us on a Time Change Sunday, we may not want to practice the way of Jesus at all. Um, Some of us, uh, Time Change Sunday doesn't affect us at all. Then um, some of us are like, I love Time Change Sunday. While others of us in this room might loathe Time Change Sunday. I don't know where you are in that. I'm somewhere between the loathe and I don't care. Uh, I'm the type of person that I don't have an, I have an alarm clock, but I don't typically use an alarm clock. I just wake up. And so my life internally is like scheduled. And so I'm kind of like at moments when it's time to eat, I loathe it because I'm like, oh, I'm hungry now. And I am so not ready to eat because it's not time to eat. Or I already ate before and everything's mixed up and messed up. Takes me a while to get back on my sleeping habits, right? I don't know. Anybody else like that in here? Okay, there's a few of us, but um, so maybe I'm weird. But uh, so one thing I do know about every single person inside this room is this. Everyone in the room is looking for three things. We're looking for significance, we're looking for connection, and we're looking for clarity in our life. The question though is this, how do we get those things with ever decreasing margins in our finances? in relationships, and then in our time. I mean, when you look around, inflation and then food supply shortages have you and I spending so much more, right? Who would have ever thought eggs would have cost as much as they cost? I mean, I I know I didn't. I know the other day when I went, it was a couple weeks ago, and there were over $7. I was like, whoo, I texted my wife. I was like, hey, who has the best price on eggs? Living this way can make you and I feel as if we're flying through life and everything is upside down. So what do we do when we're trying to fly through life and we're trying to practice the way of Jesus and we're learning to fly when all of this life feels confusing, turbulent, twisted, and even potentially upside down? Just this week, In our church, there were two people who had loved ones pass away. In the town of St. Albans, there was a lady that tragically passed away as well. In our church, there are people sitting at home watching online because they're dealing with cancer. There's others sitting inside this room right now who are wondering where certain relationships are going to go and if they're either even going to survive the next week the next month, and potentially the next year. There's others in here that are wondering what's going to happen with their jobs. I don't know where every one of us is in this room right now, but I know this. All of us are searching for significance, we're searching for connection, and we're searching for clarity that only comes, and when all three of those come, We experience this overwhelming presence and sense of joy that only comes from God. And today, as you and I look at how we're going to fly when life feels upside down, here's what we're going to do. We're going to practice a mindset. We're going to practice an attitude that was given to us as an example from Paul 
through Jesus Christ. This whole thing reminds me of a story of when my dad, he's a pastor in New Hampshire, and I was a senior in high school, and my parents told us that there was this church in Peoria, Illinois, that was looking at him to become their next senior pastor. They'd already flown out, they'd done all the interviews, and we were on the last week of the interview, the last little section of the interview, and we got our tickets booked from Manchester, New Hampshire to Peoria, Illinois. The day claim came where we were missing school, we were flying out, my brothers and I went, it was a great time. The sun was shining, the wind was blowing. We cared and didn't care, we were just boys and we're like, right, we're on for the ride. People are going to ask us all kinds of questions. We might give some funny answers just to see how my dad squirms. That's kind of how we were. And uh, we thought it was funny. And so um, we got on the plane and it was just a regular everyday trip until one of, on the last part of the trip, our bellies were full because that was the time where they were serving meals for everybody. And we had snacks and we ate everything we could, and we asked for more just because we were boys and we see what we could get, and we always laugh. The stewardesses came through, picked up all the trash, put it away, and then the little bell ringer thing comes on, right? You know what I'm talking about? You can hear it in your head right now. And the captain says, this is your captain speaking. We would like for everyone to return to your seats, put your seatbelts on, put the uh, seat trays up in front of you. It seems as if a storm has popped up and I was like, popped up, come on. <laughs> My brothers all look at each other like, how did you not know this? It popped up and we're going to hit some bumpy, have a bumpy ride. Well, the captain saying that it was going to be a bumpy ride was a complete understatement. We started to go and in just a few minutes, the planes, you could hear the engines increase. The plane started to sway from the left and then to the right. And the plane was completely encapsulated by this fog or cloud where you could barely see the ends of the wings. Lightning was flashing. It was covered in rain. And then we hit some bumps. And he comes back on. And these weren't little bumps, like he told us. These were big bumps, at least at this moment. Then he says this, ladies and gentlemen, it seems as if we're going to hit some pretty severe turbulence. If you could make sure all of the items around you are secure and either under the seat in front of you or you're holding onto them tightly. Well, it was not just some big turbulence. This was, in my mind, massive turbulence. Turbulence like I've never faced before. It felt like the plane was dropping out of the sky, hitting a concrete pad, and then bouncing straight back up. Everybody now was either screaming, there were children yelling, there were babies screaming at the top of their lungs, and parents and adults, ladies and gentlemen, were saying words that you don't normally say in church, never mind in an airplane full of children and other people, and everyone was holding on, and then you heard the sound. It was people reaching into the seat back pockets in front of them, and fiddling through, and some of you already know what happened, right? It's that plastic, it's the bag, that's paper on the outside and lined with plastic on the inside. And you heard the noises of what was happening. And then I believe that their noises caused other people, like, you know, like, to need to grab their bag. And everybody was, no one wanted to look around. No one wanted to see anybody else at that moment. And some of us wanted those people off the plane. 
Isn't that what happens when life hits us? The captain had come on a little bit earlier and he had said, ladies and gentlemen, due to the severe headwinds that we were facing, we are going to not be able to circle the storm and wait for it to pass, nor are we going to be able to divert and go to another airport. The severe headwinds have caused us to use more fuel than anticipated. And so we'll be flying directly through the storm. But I promise to get you on the ground safely. In life, when there's all of the things that you and I are facing, and we're searching for significance, connection, and clarity, we often can be faced with turbulence, right? The captains give warnings, we buckle up, we prepare for the best, we get dizzy, we may even get sick, we may not even want some of the people who are on our plane of life with us. We want them outside because maybe they're annoying or they're doing something. Paul is telling us in the book of Philippians, we're going to turn there in a minute, Philippians chapter 2, and we're going to focus on verse 5, 6, 7, and 8. Paul has given the Philippian people this warning, this instruction on how do you fly when your life completely feels upside down. There's turbulence all around you. There's trials all around, and you're not sure what to do. Paul was facing his own trials, his own difficulties. He was in prison for preaching the gospel and at any moment could be executed for what he had done. The Philippian people were in their own trials. Paul is giving us this description. How do you and I fly when life feels upside down? Here's what we do. We set our flight plan by God's plan. If you and I are going to learn to fly... When life is upside down, we're going to set our flight plan by God's plan. In Philippians chapter 2, verse number 5, here's what Paul gives us as a description. Your life's hard. It's dizzying. It's turbulent. You feel like things are upside down right now. Here's what he says. In your relationships with one another, have the mindset as Christ Jesus. Now here, before we go on any further, I want to do this. Today... Many of you know this passage. When I'm speaking this passage, I am preaching it from a completely practical, how do you live this out? We look at Jesus and we live our life this way. This is how we're preaching this passage today. Mike Graham could come next week. And he says, everybody turn to your Bibles in Philippians chapter two, five through eight. And Mike Graham comes up and he says, Steve gave you a practical lesson on how to live this out. I'm going to give you a theological lesson on what this is, who Jesus is, because he's 100% God and 100% man. And both of us would be completely accurate. And so when Paul says this, our practical lesson is this. In our relationships with one another, have the same mindset. The first thing we're going to do, if we're going to set our flight plan by God's plan, we're going to see that there are others with us. We're going to see others by doing this for what they can become, not who they are today. This becomes super important as we travel through to our third point in uh, verse number eight. As we see others, look what Paul says, in your relationship with one another. When my brothers and my family all stepped onto that plane, we instantly had some level of a relationship with the captain, the stewardess, the co-pilot, all of the people surrounding us. We may have wanted or not wanted, but the goal in Paul, from Paul is this. When you and I face the storms of life, do you see other people around you 
And are you developing a relationship with them? Because when we face the storms of life, what do we normally do? We look down, we hold on, and we just try to get through. I mean, that's what most people do. That's what we did on the airplane for a point until certain people needed more of those plastic lined bags. And they were calling out, or you just didn't even say anything. They just were motioning and you knew what they needed. And we tried to assist everybody that was around because it was a turbulent moment. See, we can't do life alone. We were never created to do life by ourselves. Some of us in the room might say, hey, Steve, I've got my family. That's all I need. God says, you also have a church family. You also have a family that's outside these walls, which thousands and thousands of people, do you know what they're searching for? The same thing you and I are searching for. Significance, connection, and clarity. And when you and I set our flight plan by God's plan, when life's upside down, we see other people and we begin to develop a relationship. There's two really simple things that you and I can do given to us by Paul in this chapter to develop a relationship. Because Paul and Jesus expect us when we go through turbulent, turbulent times to look around, see others, and develop a relationship through number one, honesty. Honesty by who our nature is and communicating that out to others and working in that relationship. Look at verse number two of Philippians chapter two. Then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another, and here's the key word, working together. See, God is asking us when we go through these turbulent upside down times, setting our flight plan by God's plan is this. Are you and I working together in an honest relationship, helping one another? The second one is this, respect. It's found in verse three and four. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather in humility, value others above yourself. Not looking to your own interest, but each of you to the interests of others. The next part is here. We're developing a relationship. We're looking around. We're seeing others. They're hurting. We're hurting. We're looking for significance, connection, and clarity. We step into that, that life because we've seen what they need. We're looking at who they can become, not who they are today. I think of two people. There's many people of why I'm here today, but there's two people in my life of why I'm here today that represent this. Number one is a guy named Chris Austin. Chris Austin was my eighth grade teacher. He stepped in and he looked at his eighth grade class as a youth ministry, as a place where he saw hurting, broken, questioning people. You know what he did? He would take a skiing. He'd get on the ski lift with us and ask us spiritual questions. Ask us about our relationship with God. Ask us what was happening. Another man was this, Glenn, um, Glenn Knight. Glenn Knight, once a month, would ask me to go out to dinner with his family as a young person. We sit and we'd eat and we'd talk. He'd take me back to his house with his family and we'd play games. And he didn't look at me at what I was today, that day. He looked at me from what I could be. He saw what could happen and what could change if he spent time developing me and growing me. I was an annoying teenager that was out of control energy that would bounce everywhere. At the end of playing games, he'd be like, all right, you, and he'd look at one of his children, and Steve and I, we're going for a walk. And we'd walk for an hour and a half. 
And then we'd go home and he'd bring me home. Every month, that's what Glenn Knight did. Not only are we going to see other people and we're going to have a relationship. Look what Paul says in in the rest of this verse. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. He said, encapsulate your entire person with the mindset or attitude of Jesus, which is humility. Here's what he's saying. See others through a relationship that's out of respect or as a response with an attitude of Jesus. When you're going through these tough, upside down, twisted times, are you looking around and seeing that there are people that need a relationship with you and want a relationship and they need you to respond with an attitude of humility? Humility is this, not thinking less of myself. Oh, they don't need me. I don't have anything to offer. I can't do this. It's not thinking less of ourselves, but it's thinking of ourselves less. It's looking around, finding people who are in need, who are hurting, who are broken, who are looking for significance, connection, and clarity, and connecting with them. If you and I are going to see other people And we are going to set our life plan by God's plan. We're going to step in with a relationship and we're going to step in with a response of an attitude of humility by our next one. It's this, serving others. Serving others is this, we become less so others can become more. We're going to start serving others. First, we're going to see others and we're going to step into a relationship, and we're going to respond with an attitude of humility, by, and then we're going to serve others by becoming less so they can become more. You may ask yourself, well, Steve, I don't know about that. I'm not sure that that's what I want to do. I don't know how we can do that. I want to give you an example of what Jesus did and how he served. He served because he was secure in who he was before his father. Jesus could see other people's needs for what they could become, not what they are today, developing a relationship with a response of an attitude of humility and serve them because he was secure. You show me someone who serves, and you, I promise you, you will show me someone who's secure in who they are as a follower of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ was completely secure in his relationship. Look at Philippians 2, verse number 6 who being in the very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Jesus Christ left heaven, the throne room of heaven, stooped down to earth, came here and encapsulated or enrobed himself in human flesh because he was secure in his position with God. Let me just ask a quick question. How secure are you in your relationship with God? You see, Jesus' security and his ability to serve was not based on what people thought of him. He doesn't really in and of itself care what I think about the way that he served. Do you know what Jesus cares about? Jesus cared about what his father thought of him. Jesus cared about his position before his father. Jesus' security was not caught up in what any of us think. 
Jesus was secure in who he was. Jesus' security allowed him to do what Jesus did. Jesus was secure and it allowed him to serve other people. It allowed him the freedom to see people for where they were. It allowed him to build a relationship. It allowed him to step in with an attitude or response of humility. And that humility turned people to Jesus and said, this person cares. This person loves. Hey, I think this person might help me find significance. This person's definitely helping me find connection. And I think they're giving me and providing me with clarity for the way that I live out my life. I want to give you five quick things that if you struggle with serving and you struggle with having security in your relationship with God, here are the five things. Number one, God looks at you and if you've accepted Jesus Christ as your savior, he says you are accepted by God. Think about that for a few minutes. The ruler of the universe, the creator of everything you and I see, feel, and touch has accepted you into a relationship. He has adopted you. He's welcomed you. And he loves you. Not only that, but he makes you capable. Here's the second thing. Capable to accomplish his will. If you're looking around and you're seeing other people that are broken and hurting, they're looking for significance, connection, and clarity. God says, I am going to make you capable to accomplish my will and my plan. Because I'm God. He also says this. You are now part of a great big story. You are part of God's story. Not only are you part of God's story, but God has sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die for you. And he now has placed a value on your life. And he sees you as valuable. The last one is this, that should give us all complete security in Jesus Christ. You and I are forgiven. For all of our past and all of our future sins, everything we've ever done. If we've accepted Jesus as our Savior, not only is we to, are we to be secure in our service, but Jesus was submitted. Paul's saying, hey, look, if you are going to file your flight plan by my plan, you're going to submit to the Father's will. In Philippians 2, 7, it says, rather he made himself of nothing, and he took on a very nature of a servant being found in the human likeness. Jesus submitted to God's plan because that's what God wanted to give you and I an example of what it looks like to walk on this earth as well as to provide a way of forgiveness for all of our sins so that you and I could have a relationship with God and a home in heaven. And when we have that, we see other people's needs. We see that other people need a relationship with us. We respond with an attitude of humility. And we serve others because we're secure in this relationship and we're submitting to the Father's will. In John chapter 5, verse 19, look what Jesus says. Very truly, I tell you, the Son can do nothing by himself. He can do only what he sees the Father doing because whatever the Father does, the Son also does. You see, Jesus has given us an example. We do what the Father is doing. We follow out his plan. If you and I, are going to learn to fly when life feels upside down. We're going to set our life plan by God's plan. And we're going to see other people. We're going to serve them. We become less so they can become 
more, which is, follows through with our attitude of humility through a relationship of seeing other people. Which brings us to our last section. And to be quite honest, this is the one that kept me from following Jesus Christ for many years, as well as some other things that I didn't want to give up. But this is the one thing, because I knew enough about Jesus and what he called us to do and who we were supposed to be if we were followers of Jesus Christ. I didn't want this. Not only is, did I not want this, today it's probably the hardest one for me. Because to pra- practice this principle, to practice this truth, it takes sacrifice. It takes going through turbulent times. It takes denying myself. It takes loss and giving up. Here's our last one. We're going to see others. We're going to serve others. And here's the last one. We're going to sacrifice for others. Giving up what I cannot keep so others can live. Sacrifice. Giving up what I cannot keep so others can live. If you and I are going to file our flight plan by God's plan, I'm going to give up what I cannot keep so others can live. The only thing the only thing that will be with me in heaven is our first point of today. The relationships that I built that were founded in Jesus Christ where then we are going to see each other in heaven. None of the stuff that I accumulate, none of the stuff that I get is going with me. It's going to be left behind for someone to do whatever they want with. When we look at Philippians chapter 2, verse number 8, we find this. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even the death of the cross. One man said this about ministry. Ministry that costs nothing accomplishes nothing. Ministry that, co- that costs nothing accomplishes nothing. Jesus's ministry on earth cost him everything and accomplished everything for human beings. Jesus is looking at you and I, asking us, Paul is asking you, if your life feels turbulent, you're in trials, you're in difficulties. See, Paul was in prison and any moment could be executed. And he's writing this and he's trying to help us to understand a practical application of living flying by God's flight plan for our life. When he says, and being found in appearance as a man, it means this, submit what you may not normally need or want to submit to. You see, Jesus Christ was in heaven with his father. Jesus didn't need food, shelter, clothing. He didn't need anybody to provide for him. He didn't face heat or cold or sweat. Jesus stepped out of heaven onto earth. And when he did, he encompassed everything that meant to be a human being. He laid down all of his rights, Philippians 2 verse 6, and said, I give it all up because I'm secure in my relationship with my father. And now I suffer heat and cold. Jesus suffered trials. Jesus suffered temptation. Jesus suffered thirst and hunger. And when I think about this part, this is what blows my mind. The creator of the universe came down and not just robed himself in human flesh, but he was born of 
a human being, his mother Mary, placed in a manger, which is not even as humiliating as what we're going to think about in just a minute. He now had to depend on human beings to feed him, to provide for him, to clothe him. And then what I think is probably the most humiliating, Jesus Christ then had to have his diaper changed by human beings. God in the flesh stepped out and submitted to what he may normally not submit to. When you and I sacrifice, it's going to call us to submit to what we might not normally have to submit to. That's what he's calling us. How are you doing in your relationships with your spouse, with your children? Are you willing to submit to what you may not normally submit to? The next one, the next little phrase that Paul gives us is humbled himself. That literally means that Paul, Paul is saying Jesus stooped down to earth to listen to us, to spend time with us. The idea when it says humble, it means that the waters in a river went down exposing the true nature that was underneath that river. Are you willing to stoop to a place that you may not normally need to stoop to in life to sacrifice so you can serve and you can see other people's needs so that they can have significance, connection, and clarity in their life? In the book of Psalms, 116.21, it says this, I love the Lord because he hears my voice and my prayer for mercy. Because he bends down, stoops to listen, I will pray as long as I have breath. When I think about the stooping, I'm reminded of two different stories. Number one is when Jesus was in the center of town. The woman was caught in adultery. And what they do? They drug her in. Jesus stoops down and begins to write in the sand. And then at the end, turns to her and says, is there anyone left to accuse you? No, they've all left. And he goes, I don't either. Attitude of humility right here. Here's where he says, go and sin no more. Jesus had 100% of the right to just rip her to shreds for her, the way she was living that was against God's word. He said, no, I love you. I care for you. I see your need. I see you're broken. You're trying to fill that need through all this other stuff. Just, just go sin no more. I love you. I care for you. I'm glad I protected you. He saw what she could become. He stepped in with a response and an attitude of humility, developing a relationship, serving her, and then eventually sacrificing for her. The next one is death of a cross. Jesus was immortal. He did not need to die except for our need for him to die. He died on a cross. He was willing to sacrifice for you and I. He before became obedient to death. In that obedience to death, Jesus was experiencing what he didn't need to experience. Jesus did not need to die except for our need for him to die. He was experiencing what the immortal did not need to experience. When you think about sacrificing, that's what God's asking us. Are you willing to experience what you don't need to experience? And the last one is death of the cross, which is this. He endured what was not his to endure except for his submission to his father. 
See, the cross was this. The cross was created for the cruelest of the cruelest criminals, the worst of the worst. And Jesus willfully sacrificed his life so you and I could have what? A relationship with him. He willfully sacrificed himself because he saw my need for him. He saw your need. He saw the world's need. And he willfully endured the cross. How are you doing in seeing other people's needs? What they can become over what they are today. How are you doing in your service because you're secure in God and willing to submit to God's ways? And then, how well are you doing in sacrificing your own rights, your own desires, doing what God's called you to do? Many of you may be wondering, what was the end of that story in flying from Manchester, New Hampshire to Peoria, Illinois? Well, we eventually landed safely. The entire plane, when we came to a stop, all clapped. Everybody was excited. The captain said the stewardesses would be around to pick up the things that were left, the white, the little um, plastic bags or whatever those bags are, right? We flew back home. My parents spent some time, weeks actually, fasting and praying. And then my dad made the phone call and said, I'm sorry, but this is not God's will for our life. A few months later, another church called and asked my dad to become the senior pastor of that church to where he is today. My dad said no to this church and yes to that church for the exact same reasons. Here's the reason. It was an attitude of humility. This one had an attitude of humility that was missing. They had problems and challenges and issues that needed to be corrected. And they wouldn't get there. This church had problems and challenges and obstacles. But you know what they said? We know and we're willing to work to correct those because we see there's a broken world that needs salvation and we're willing to serve one another and die to those things that we're holding on so dearly to and sacrifice so other people can come to know Jesus Christ and grow in that relationship. And he said yes to that church. See, the question is for us, are we looking around and seeing other people's needs? And then stepping into a relationship with an attitude of humility that says, I am going to serve others by being secure in my relationship by God, not by what other people think of me, and submitting to his will and sacrificing whatever it is I can so others can live for Jesus Christ. In just a minute, Mike's going to come and he's going to help us practice communion. Today, I don't know where you're at. Maybe you're at the beginning, you're like, I'm not willing to serve or I'm not willing to see others and then I'm definitely not willing to serve or sacrifice right now. Maybe God wants you to take that step. Maybe you've been holding off and serving. Maybe it's, I've got the first two and I got to work on the last one. Maybe you're all the way through and you're like, I'm ready and willing. Today, when Mike comes and talks about communion, 
talk to God about where your heart is. Let's pray. Jesus, I thank you for the opportunity to be here to share your word that will help us to set our flight plan by your plan. God, I ask you to help us to look around and find those who are in a place of need. God, help us to serve and to sacrifice and to give out of a heart that's in love with you. In Jesus' name. For more information, visit us at BibleCenterChurch.com and give us a follow on all platforms at Bible Center.